This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome to the nerd cave retro podcast my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond oh and we got a special guest this evening kids we have mr tom Merritt, who is uh on twitter you can follow him at ace detect he's also on one of my favorite podcasts the daily tech news show uh, where i get my tech news every single day and he's on the Current Geek podcast at frogpants.com slash currentgeek. Also, the Damn Fine podcast, which, of course, is about Twin Peaks. And also, Sword and Laser, where they talk about books. And Mr. Tom Merritt is also an author himself. So, Tom Merritt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's going to be fun. Oh, yes. I, and uh, Derek, uh, I actually wanted to bring this up because uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually got one of the the things i've been searching for for quite a while which was uh um, legend of the mystical ninja and derek sent me a mm -hmm. picture the other night he found one as well so this was a friday night we have a local uh, retro collectors not just games but old toys as well called price busters and i had a lot of gamecube games that i wanted to trade in so i went to price busters and what do I find? A mint condition copy of Legend of Zelda Link to the Past for Super Nintendo. Nice. As soon as I saw it, <laughs> I said to myself, I'm not leaving the store without it. It was literally like, I, your Link to the Past. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was why I had to get it. But I also found a copy of Legend of the Mystical Ninja. So I got both of those. After trading in all of the GameCube games I had, I paid a total of $10. That's crazy. And I got both of those games. Nice. It'd be nice if so, uh, I know we already did uh, my take on uh, my review of Legend of the Mystical Ninja, but I would like to actually go back and do a part two of that and get your side of it and what you think about it. No, absolutely. No, I, I can't wait to play it. And I played a little bit of Link to the Past, plays great. The condition of the cartridge is great. It was just one of those findings that, like, it was like my great white buffalo. <laughs> you know, as soon as, as as soon as I saw it, I said that I could not leave the store without it because this will not be here next time I come back. Oh, of course not, especially one that's in good condition like that. Yeah, so that was uh, that was kind of my big find for the uh, for the weekend. Well congratulations on finding your uh your what what's what's the term for that you're you're capturing your white whale or whatever great white buffalo <laughs> great white buffalo but uh on that note we're gonna go ahead and move into the news for this week <laughs> So 
so E3 happened earlier this week, or actually last week. Uh, we didn't get, get to talk about the Nintendo presentation because it happened after we recorded. But I just wanted to kind of touch on, uh, there was an article here on BGR.com about the nine biggest announcements from Nintendo's E3 Spotlight presentation. I don't want to hit on all of them. I just want to kind of hit the most important ones, uh, at least to me. Um, I know there's a, a real Pokemon games being developed for the Switch, but I'm not a I'm not a Pokemon guy. I don't know if you guys are. I did the Pokemon I, Go thing, but other than that, I mean, I, I was I was a uh, a disaffected twenty something when Pokemon came on the scenes, yeah. so it really never never caught my attention. I was in my early teens when the original Red and Blue games came out. I'm I'm a Pokemon fan. I have kind of fallen out of touch of the newer generation, but the fact that a real Pokemon game is finally being developed for a console, I think is a really big deal. Oh yeah. Because it's... this, this will sell the switch. Oh yeah. No doubt about that. Um, but the, the one thing that I knew was going to happen, and I don't know if I mentioned it on this show or it could have been on pop culture palette, but at some point I knew that Nintendo was holding close to the vest, a new Metroid series, uh, Metroid game. So they announced Metroid Prime 4 is also in, de in development for the Switch. And this, this is what sells the Switch to me because I love the Metroid series. Uh, this is probably, I'm not sure when this is supposed to be coming out. It says uh, it won't come out until 2018 at the earliest. But this is one of the titles that I am excited about for the Switch. Yeah, the, yeah. the funny thing about the Switch that I'm realizing as you guys talk is that uh, it sells to everyone who has a favorite franchise. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Zelda sold it for tons of people, way more than people expected. But for the people who didn't buy it because of Zelda, now there's Mario, Pokemon, Metro. I mean, that that's the Nintendo way, right? Of course. That's that's how they get you. Well, that's the thing. Everybody's excited a... about the third-party stuff, which, don't get me wrong, is great. I think that's what made the original, the NES Classic and the SNES, what made those great consoles was all the third-party support. But at the same time, I mean, Nintendo they have these great franchises that could go for the next hundred years at least. And Metroid is right up there along with Mario and Zelda. And I mean, it's a system seller. People love those, you know, love those games. Well, and it's not just Metroid prime four for the switch. They're also remaking Metroid two for the three DS. Oh. And I, I'm excited about that one too. Cause I haven't played my three DS in quite a while. So I'll be excited to actually play something on that but metroid prime i was hoping for a metroid announcement but i wasn't expecting it uh, even though it was just a little you know, a graphic that says hey we're working on this i think it's still really cool because it shows that the, the franchise is going to make a comeback well honestly i thought they were going to have a i thought they were going to announce it and the game would be out at at uh, christmas time <clears throat> which would be you know the perfect time for that game to come out since you know Zelda's already out. It's already selling systems. If they were to hit with Mario Odyssey and Metroid at Christmas time, that would just be like a you know one two knockout right there for the holiday season. Yeah, yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, but also the one more thing I wanted to to mention about uh, Nintendo was they have Rocket League is coming to the Switch. Uh, I don't yes. know if any of you guys have played Rocket League, but that game is insane and cross platform, mm -hmm. right? So yes. I can play on my Switch with guys who have it on PC. The, it, they will be able to do that. They'll be able yeah. to cross-platform. That wow. is epic. That's awesome. 
Yeah, Rocket League is great. It's one of the most fun multiplayer games I've ever played. So being able to play it on the Switch and play it on the go is awesome. Uh, Nintendo is coming out firing the C3. <laughs> Their presentation was really short, and there were a couple of things that I was surprised they didn't do. Like I was shocked that they didn't announce a port of Smash Brothers for Wii U for the Switch because they did it for Mario Kart, and they're doing it for Pokemon Tournament. And I thought they would do it for Smash Brothers, but I guess they thought with Mario Odyssey and you know the tease of Metroid, they've also got a Yoshi game coming out. Well, Breath uh, Fire of the Wild Emblem, DLC also. Uh, say again? Uh, I said the Breath of the Wild DLC is going to be coming out soon yes. also. Oh, that I'm so excited for. That, well, that Nintendo, game is Direct so, is, so good. Nintendo Direct is these rolling announcements, right? So I wouldn't be surprised to hear that happen in the next Nintendo Direct. Oh, of course. That's yeah, true. They don't want to. I'm sure they're not going to blow everything all at once. They're still holding yeah. stuff close to the chest because they don't really Nintendo, privilege E3. Like in, yeah. in some ways, there were more announcements than I expected because sometimes at E3, you get Nintendo Direct and you kind of shrug. You're like, mm, yeah, OK. Well, Nintendo really needs to have this console generation be a winner for them. And I, I yeah. think they're doing it. They want to keep that momentum going. Oh, for yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of the Mario Odyssey trailer? I'm in. <laughs> they could yeah, show me anything fun. with Mario. I mean, I kind of want to play it to see how all that's going to work. But the, 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 what they had to do was show me something different. And the idea that Mario can inhabit like the bullet and the mushroom and all of that stuff. I'm like, all right, that looks interesting. It, yeah. it may be stupid in real life. It may be really great. <laughs> I want to try it, but but I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I was the same way. It looks like they're kind of going back to uh, a bit more of the Mario 64 style as opposed to, like, the Galaxy and uh, Sunshine. Mm -hmm. But I think this game is going to be really, really fun. And for old-school Mario fans, there actually was a nod to the old uh, Donkey Kong game from the, uh, I think it's called New Donk City. It's like a New York-type city for <laughs> right, uh, Mario right. Odyssey. Uh, the mayor is Pauline, who was Mario's girlfriend in Donkey Kong. Oh, she makes her triumphant return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> glad we we that she's done well for herself. Yeah, seems yeah. like it. She's mayor of a city, doing yeah. a good job of running it. Everybody seems to like her, so good for her. I like it. Uh, well, speaking of E3, uh, Xbox made another announcement. Um, let's see. Let me bring it up here. Uh, from RetroGamer.net, uh, the Xbox One X is also going to be backwards compatible all the way back to the original Xbox. Uh, details are currently thin on the ground as to how this will work, but communications from key Xbox figures gives us some clue. First game confirmed, is, confirmed to be supported is Crimson Skies, and the fact that they're talking about which games will be supported indicates that, as with the existing Xbox 360 backwards compatibility, games will be enabled on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, you know, I... I'm, there weren't really too many games I can think of right offhand that I was crazy about with the original Xbox that this would sell an Xbox One X to me. But, I mean, as far as, like, maybe the original Halo, um, hmm, trying to think of some other stuff. It's a crowd pleaser, right? Like, yeah. you do this because people go, oh, well, that's cool. It's not really backwards compatibility, though, right? Like, they're they're basically putting in some code yeah. to on a case-by-case -case basis, which is which is enabling you to reuse some of that old code, but it's not like backwards. Backwards compatibility should mean 
any Xbox disc yeah. I have, I can put it in and play. And that's not what this means exactly. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking is that you could just take your old Xbox games and put yeah. it into the Xbox One X and they would work. But but no, this is, yeah, this is kind of like a, I mean, how are you really going to know? Are they just going to make announcements on Xbox? Yeah, they'll now? have a list up on the site, but. You know, it'll it'll be slow rolling out, and we'll see. It'll it'll depend on how many people use it, how many people, how many of these they they feel it's worth to to go yeah. back and enable. And like I said, I can't really think of anything right offhand that would make me really be like, you know, oh, I really mm-hmm. want to go back and play this. I mean, as much as I love the original Xbox, it, you know, it was kind of a to me, it was a kind of um, transition system from you know gaming in the 90s to what we have now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah tom hit my reaction right on the head i was like oh this is cool but it's not gonna make me buy an xbox one yeah not really there's not much really wants me makes me want to buy one honestly no not not really not really it's the thing is if you have a 4k tv and you don't have an xbox and there's a game coming out that you want to buy an xbox to get you might spend the extra hundred bucks to get the Xbox One X because, hey, it's got the 4K video and the upgraded screen, the 60 frames per second. Yeah. But I, I don't even think Microsoft expe- expects to sell a ton of this. This is them future-proofing themselves. Yeah, because I mean, really, mm-hmm. is 4K all that important that you're going to go out and buy a brand new console of something that you maybe already have? Because I think Not everybody yet. that wants no. an Xbox One is already in the ecosystem. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree as well. Well, hey, should I tell you about this Atari news then? Absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. So Atari, uh, you you may have seen this. There was the the video that leaked out of a new Atari box <laughs> game console. And in fact, CEO Fred Chesney says to GamesBeat, we're back in the hardware business. He confirmed Atari is working on a game console based on PC technology. Uh, and they don't think it'll be out for a while. They didn't give any dates, any details, the design still being determined. So what you see in that concept video might change still. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're coming out with a hardware in time for when we see Blade Runner 2049 for that Atari logo to not look dated. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking <laughs> that because when I, I saw the, uh, the, tr- the teaser for this, they showed the wood grain paneling and I was like, wow, nothing screams eighties like wood grain paneling. And it kind of got me excited. I'm like, you know what? If this thing comes out and it's got, you know, it's got something pretty decent under the hood and it's got some good uh, controllers for it, I might be down to buying a new Atari. But, you know, thinking about, I mean, does Atari still have that brand name recognition to to really jump back into the market? Well, that's I think the nostalgia can help them a little bit. A little. Because we saw the success with the NES Classic. People love, you know, what's old, what they grew up with. They'll see the name Atari and they'll be drawn to it. So, yeah, I I think the nostalgia factor could help a little bit. But at the same time, the people that are really nostalgic about Atari are still people that, you know, maybe in their 50s, you know, are the, you know, by the time this thing comes out or is that going to be enough to make them go, you know what, I'm going to go get one of those new Atari systems. You know, I had one well, when I was a kid. There's already a bunch of emulators. Atari licensed their licenses, their games out to people and you can buy, you know, mini 2600 like devices. There's that joystick that was out there with all the games. You oh, can, I've, I've you can download one. an app that gives you all the games. So it's not like the NES classic where it's like, hey, for the first time you can go back and experience this. So my, I, I'm trying to guess what they're doing. My best guess is 
It's an Atari looking machine that runs Windows games and will come pre-installed with all the Atari games, maybe a few bonuses that haven't been released. And then maybe Atari has some new PC games and you can play all the PC games on Steam as well or something. So do you think it's going to have those crappy switches on the top of it like it used to? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> that don't I absolutely work. Absolutely hope so. <laughs> they, mine never worked ever. Reset, reset, mm -hmm. all the time. <laughs> They've definitely generated some attention. That's for sure. Well, I think also like like Tom said with the uh, with the new Blade Runner movie coming out, I think there's going to be some, you know, some nostalgia factor there for for Atari. But I, I just don't know if that's going to be enough to really launch it back into. Yeah you know, back yeah. into the mainstream. Yeah, that's true. Just depends on what it is. You know, yeah. it, it, it's all in the details. Maybe there's something none of us have, have thought of that they're going to come with that will all go, oh yeah, that Maybe. is cool. But I don't know what it is. We'll see. Speaking of throwbacks and bringing back memories, um, <clears throat> something that I've always wanted as a kid was a Nintendo theme park. And that is about to become a reality. This is from comicbook.com. The headline reads, Holy hell, our dreams are all coming true. <laughs> some, some new details have leaked about the upcoming Super Nintendo World theme park coming to Universal Studios Orlando, and it sounds like pretty much everything we ever wanted is being built as we speak. Multiple sources have produced a leaked map showing the entire theme park layout and all of its sections. And to describe a little bit of what they have, so there's a few different sections. If you've ever been to Islands of Adventure, it's kind of like that layout. You have your Mario section, Mario, um, other things as well. You have Donkey Kong Island, which is supposed to have a minecart roller coaster. Awesome. Yeah. You have uh, Zelda's Kingdom, Deku Tree, and Hyrule Castle. You have Kirby's Playland for the kids, and you have like a, an entry world. So if you go to the link, you'll see the, uh, the picture that has kind of the layout. It's right in the middle of uh, Universal, and this place is going to be really cool. If it opens anywhere close to the time that Star Wars Land opens, Orlando is going to be rolling in the money. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the the coolest thing about this, when you sent me the picture of the uh, the actual map, the thing that got me excited was when I looked on it and saw, you know, the whole back half of the the map is pretty much just uh, uh what was it, Super Mario Land or something like that, or the Mushroom mm -hmm. Kingdom, and, I, and I'm like, what is that mm -hmm. going to be about? <laughs> yeah, but the only thing yeah, I don't like it's... about this is that it's not at the Universal in LA where I can get to it easier. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Uh, maybe they'll, they will do something for Hollywood eventually. Yeah, we don't have the E.T. adventure here either. We did get Harry Potter, so maybe. Yeah, I haven't been to oh, Universal. Cool. In a, sorry, I had to switch my headphones. My headphones were going out. Um, oh, sure. But uh, uh, I haven't been to Universal since probably, what was it, 1996? And then I went to Islands of Adventure uh, in early 2000s. So I haven't been to Universal uh, I mean, the last time I went there, they still had like Terminator 2, um, uh, Back to the Future, and things like mm -hmm. that. I still haven't even seen like the new Harry Potter stuff, any of the that. The new stuff. Harry Potter stuff's pretty, pretty good. 
Uh, I've only been to the LA one, and I, yeah. I but I've heard the Orlando one's even better. They also still have the Waterworld uh, uh, show oh. at the LA one. That's which is kind of a moment in time. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say the one in Orlando still has Terminator Two. Oh, they don't wow. have Back to the Future. It was replaced with the Simpsons ride. That's mm. right. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the Simpsons stuff either. Yeah, last time I went to Islands was when the Harry Potter stuff was being built. I haven't been since it was completed, but everyone I know that has seen it said it's great. That's awesome. But this is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for Star Wars Land. I'm just, I'm ready to make an Orlando trip. And what, when is all this going to be ready? Like 2019 or something like that? That's when Star Wars Land is supposed to be ready. They haven't released uh, like a date for Nintendo World yet. I don't know. I have Thinking a feeling... maybe a, a pop culture palette slash Nerd Cave Network road trip. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah. Take like two weeks. Well, we we got to hook it up with uh, Garrett Weinzerl's CreateCon, oh, uh, which he's awesome. planning on doing again next year. And oh. then uh, and then we could we can extend it into a uh, a visit to all this stuff. It's pretty pretty amazing. That'd be great. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the map, the leaked map for this, just go to comicbook.com and check it out. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it looks like the kind of map you would get when you first get to, like to the park and you pick up the little, you know, the trifold map as you're walking into the the area. It kind of looks like that. Um, but you can kind of see where everything is supposed to be. So I, I have a feeling this is actually is this is the real thing. I think so too. Yeah, it looks it looks real. I mean, if if it's not real, someone did a really good job. Oh yeah. But uh, on that note, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In June of 1985, Atari releases the 520ST, the first personal computer with a bitmapped color GUI. And another cool thing about this is this was the uh, the first personal computer with a a whopping megabyte of RAM in its base configuration. <laughs> what are you going to do with all that RAM? Uh, a whole, a whole megabyte. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, what does it say? And a cost per kilobyte of less than one US dollar. Nice. <laughs> so this thing, I, awesome. did, I never even knew that Atari made com- actual computers back in the day. I thought they were just straight, you know, Atari home. Oh, computer no, systems. I remember, I remember being fascinated with the Atari computers uh, because I didn't get a 2600. Instead, I got a TI 99 4A. And then I saw the Atari computers. I'm like, wait, should I have gotten that? Because then I could play the Atari games, but they didn't play all the 2600 games and they weren't that good of a computer, actually. Wow. <laughs> I, I did have a Commodore 64 back in the day. So that was yeah, my, me too. my computer of choice back in the 80s. That was the successor to my TI, the 64. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a workhorse. Nice. In uh, June... Oh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Oh, in June of 1988, Nintendo releases the last issue of Nintendo Fun Club News. I have a very, like, very vague memory of this. Do you guys remember the Fun Club News? I do a little bit. I know this is what turned into Nintendo Power. Yeah, I have, like I said, I can briefly remember hearing about it. I never read because it was it came out in 87. So I was roughly a year old at that point. Wow. So <laughs> couldn't couldn't quite couldn't quite read yet. But yeah, you know, we, we've we've mentioned before, you know, uh, Nintendo Power is still my all time favorite gaming magazine. So it's cool to see where it evolved to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
June, uh, I guess it was June 5th, 1989, Bullfrog released Populous, one of the first commercially successful God games. I remember playing Populous when it was on, I think they had a version of it on um, SNES, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, I love, I used to rent that one all the time. It wasn't a, a title that I would go out and buy, but I would rent it occasionally. I, the, Never the heard name of rings it. a bell, but I don't think I ever played it. Uh, it's it's kind of like, um, I mean, it's it's basically kind of like SimCity, those type of games. Mm -hmm. And but with Populous, you can actually go through and like destroy. You're you're basically playing God in in yeah, the game, yeah. which was always Sweet. the fun thing to do in SimCity. Oh, of course. Too. <laughs> oh yeah. Build your cities and destroy the tornadoes. Them. <laughs> uh, in June of 1989, Lucasfilm Games releases puzzle game Pipe Mania, which lives on in other titles as a visual representation of computer or security system hacking. Now, I nice. do remember this game, and I think this is what they're talking about uh, in... Oh, crap. What's the name of the game? Uh, it was the Xbox 360 games. Uh what were they called now um where you're in the big city underwater with the, the oh, bioshock bioshock, bioshock? man yeah. why can't i think of bioshock but yeah i think that's what they're talking about in bioshock when you're doing the uh the hacking you're, you're kind of trying to put the pipes together before the liquid goes through them yeah apparently there's one in alien swarm too ah. same kind of thing interesting in June of 1993, Maniac Mansion Day of the Tentacle is released by LucasArts as a sequel to Maniac Mansion. I loved Maniac Mansion. I actually had that for Nintendo back in the day, but, uh, but I never played the sequel, Day of the Tentacle. I remember that was on a uh, computer, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. And then on uh, June 1993, Nintendo released The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for Game Boy, which became the best-selling handheld game in the series. I did buy the Game Boy that came with Link's Awakening, but I was never a Game Boy fan, so that was that for that. Yeah, Game Boy is what my brother had, and so I became prejudiced that it was a kid's thing because he was seven <laughs> years younger than me. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Tetris was always the, the best game to have for the, the Game Boy. But for as much as accolades as people give the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, it's just hard to look at, at least to me. It was hard to look at mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. Plus, yeah, I mean, no we, backlit screen was. Yeah, uh, we never went on struggle. vacation, so I didn't need to have one <laughs> when <laughs> I had a Nintendo hooked up to the TV. Yeah. I, Link's Awakening, that was. I feel like that game still doesn't get enough credit because it kind of went away from Hyrule and had a completely different story. Mm -hmm. So I, I give, you know, I give them a lot of credit for that. And Link's Awakening, you know, is it, it was a lot of fun. It was probably it was easily my favorite uh, Game Boy game that I ever played. Hmm. Well, maybe they'll make a remake of it here one of these days. They're always going back and remaking the old Zelda titles. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, but, I'm surprised uh, they haven't hit that one already, to be honest. Oh, yeah. But coming up here in the middle of the show, right before we do our uh, review for the night, um, it's kind of cool because we talk about Audible right here, and it's kind of cool because we have Mr. Tom Merritt here, and uh, I'll let Derek go ahead and, and do the mid-roll here, and we'll let Tom talk about one of his books that you could pick up on Audible. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity 
to check out their service. They have a ton of books to choose from, every genre for every reader. They have over 180,000 book titles. And Tom, why don't you tell the listeners about some of the books they could read. Yeah, I'm um, sure they, I mean, my, uh, there's, there's plenty of good books on Audible. In fact, I, I'm a member myself and I'm, I'm always using my credits uh, to read all the stuff we talk about on the Sword and Laser podcast and to get history books. And there's, there's magazines in there, like, you know, the Wall Street Journal read to you and stuff like that. Uh, but my book, if you were wanting to sample it, you could get it for free. Uh, it's called Pilot X. It's a time travel book. Pilot X is a guy who just learns how to fly a time ship if it's like it's his lifelong dream. And he gets caught up into some events that keep him from flying as much as he would like and make him make these weighty decisions about the universe to the point where at one point he has to figure out whether he wants to save the majority of the universe or his own people. So it's a horrible decision that he has to make. Uh, if that sounds like fun to you, it's 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 a time travel science fiction story. And the narration by Kevin T. Collins on the Audible version is fantastic. He did a killer job on it. I was super happy with it. So again, the name of the book's Pilot X. See people go out and fantastic. pick that up. Uh, the thing I am listening to right now is I, I'm uh, almost done listening to Lords of the Sith. Uh, which is actually I don't have the the author in front of me right now, but it's a one of the newer Star Wars books called Lords of the Sith, and I'm gonna reserve judgment until I actually finish the book. I only have like two more chapters left, but if you're gonna call the book Lords of the Sith, you should probably put some Lords of the Sith in it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's why you didn't want to name Paul S. Kemp as the author, huh? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it, it, it's it's kind of like if uh, J.K. Rowling actually called the first Harry Potter book uh, "The Adventures of Snape," <laughs> and he's barely in it. Take that with what you will. That's unfortunate. We haven't finished it, right? Maybe they all come in. Right I hope end. so. I hope they do. I'm about three, two or three chapters from the end, and I'm like, sure hope I hear something about Vader here soon. Well, if you want to give that book or Pilot X a try, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook and 30-day free trial. When Jason and I started this podcast, there was one game that I could not wait to review. And that game is the game that I'll be reviewing today. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo 64. And I should preface this by saying that this is not just my favorite Zelda game, not just my favorite N64 game, but my favorite video game, period. Wow. Because growing up, I was a huge Zelda fan growing up. It's what introduced me to video games. You know, I can remember, just like it was yesterday, sitting at my aunt's house after school playing uh, Legend of Zelda for the NES. And from there, you know, played Zelda 2. We all know how that game turned out. <laughs> Link to the Past was great. Link's Awakening was great. But then the, six, the Nintendo 64 came out. And I talked about uh, last week about uh, Mario 64 and how it was almost a seamless transition from 2D to 3D for Mario. I feel like that was the same way 
you took everything that made the franchise great with all the collecting, the puzzle solving, and they even kind of started vamping up the storytelling a bit with Link to the Past, but Ocarina of Time took it to a whole new level because this is kind of the first game that I think of story-wise when I think of, you know, the overall Zelda story. I mean, it introduces the the tr- the trinity of Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf as the three of them are always kind of bound together, and that's more... It, it's explained in greater detail in later games, but just say, talk a little bit about Ocarina of Time. It's an action-adventure video game developed and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. It was first released in Japan and North America in November of 1998 and in Europe and Australia the following month. It was originally developed for the 64DD peripheral, but it was instead released on a 256 megabit cartridge, the largest capacity cartridge Nintendo produced at the time. It's the fifth game in the Legend of Zelda series. And in this game, a player controls Link in the land of Hyrule on a quest to stop Ganondorf, King of the Gerudo tribe, from obtaining the Triforce, a sacred relic that grants her. He travels through time and navigates various dungeons to awaken the sages who have the power to seal Ganondorf away forever. Music plays an important role. To progress, the player must learn to play several songs on an ocarina. Interest and sales of the instrument. I myself actually bought an ocarina after after Ocarina of Time came out. I still have it <laughs> somewhere. It's it's like an actual replica nice. um, of the Ocarina of Time. But but this game introduced so much to the Zelda franchise. It introduced uh, the Z targeting, like the lock on targeting system, that's still used today. And I can't describe that feeling of you know being Uh-oh, the comic series out. that came out watching the god awful car- cartoon from back in the late 80s early 90s you leave Kakairi Forest and you see the open world of Hyrule Field it's one of my favorite ever it introduces you know Ganondorf not Ganon it introduces his human form and introduces so many other aspects to the Zelda franchise that are still used today. You know, like with the ocarina and having that important item that goes on, like with the Wind Waker when you have the baton, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So this game to me is, it provided a seamless transition from 2D to 3D, had a fantastic story, one of the best, in this franchise, and that's saying a lot because I feel like the series has had a lot of great stories, has good character development, and is also very replayable. I mean, I was playing it again early this morning for the first time in a couple of years, and, you know, it it felt like I had never stopped playing it. So this this game is, it's just great to me. I, I can't, I can't not say that enough. Like well, I just enjoy this game so much. Yeah, well, this is the one I almost bought a few weeks ago for the the Nintendo sixty four. Um, but I, I ended up not getting it. I bought some uh, Nintendo games in its place. But um, but this is one that I actually want to go back and play because th- this came out around the time that I wasn't really into video games at the time. 
And uh, it just, I played a little bit of it. It was one of those games that I rented. I either rented it or um, borrowed it from someone or something. But I don't really have the the nostalgia factor with this game that I do some of the other Legend of Zelda games. This is kind of one of the ones that really kind of passed me by. But everybody says, oh, this is the best one, you know. So I really didn't get back into Legend of Zelda until around 2007 when I bought... Uh, GameCube late in its cycle and I actually got back into Legend of Zelda with Wind Waker uh, and then actually played Twilight Princess on the the GameCube. So I would really like to go back and get into this game because it, it seems like one that I really need to play. Yeah, I kind of feel like the magic of Breath of the Wild on the Switch is the same magic that was in the Ocarina of Time, which is one of the reasons that I like Breath of the Wild so much. Uh, for, for me, I wasn't a console gamer. I, I had that TI 994 a and the Commodore 64 and I, you know, I'd play games on that. Uh, and then I was pretty much PC games playing things like civilization, yeah. uh, until I moved in with a guy who had a Nintendo 64 in 1998. Uh, and that summer of 99, after he had played through Ocarina of Time, I was like, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pick this up. And, and I just got sucked in because <laughs> As much as it feels on rails now when you go back, it felt like the most open game I'd ever played because I could just wander around cutting grass if I want, looking for jewels. <laughs> uh, and it just, the story was so well told and it was compelling. Uh, and it was when the web was out. So if I got stuck, I could go onto the web and start talking to people about like, hey, how do I, how do I figure out how to get through here? Which, which made it easy uh, to, to not get frustrated like I, I would with some other games. And it, it actually was the first console game that I really played quickly all the way to the end and and just enjoyed the hell out of it yeah because around this time I was playing a lot of uh like Resident Evil 2 um what else yeah, was it, out? um the the Star Wars game um which one was that the what was it called uh Shadows of the Empire I played for that N64? a lot yeah and for Nintendo 64 yes. this was really one of the games that I should have been into but just it kind of just passed me by at the time, and I kind of regret that a lot. Yeah, I was playing SimCity 2000 and Civilization 4 and, like, every piece of shareware that I could get my hands on. <laughs> uh, and and then and then I moved in with this guy with an N64, and so I'm like, okay, I get this console thing. And then I, went, I was playing Goldeneye after that, and uh, oh, yeah, it was, it was a blast. But, I, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Derek. I, nothing has topped this for me in its class. Uh, there, there's certainly other games that I've, I've enjoyed, but there are other types of game. This, this, and maybe this isn't a class by itself in some ways, but, but as far as this kind of platform game, I mean, this is why I love the legend of Zelda. I'd played the original legend of Zelda and it was fun, but I didn't have a huge attachment to it until I played the Ocarina of time. It, Ocarina of time is what brought a lot of people on board to the Zelda franchise. And I feel like the closest thing I've had to that experience playing Ocarina of Time was when I first opened Breath of the Wild and started playing it. Like that game, if it's not my number two, it's really close to it because yeah, it's and, got and the Jason, same you vibe somehow. Yeah. And Jason, when you get the Switch, you know, I, I'd love to hear your opinion on Breath of the Wild because that game is so, 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 so good. Oh yeah. Like I said, I'm getting it later this year. It's gonna be the Christmas present to myself. And I'm definitely going to get uh, Breath of the Wild because that's that, that and and uh, Metroid are the two big things that I want to get for that. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, I have to say the Ocarina of Time, I think partly is colored in my memory too, because it was the last summer I spent in Austin before I moved to San Francisco and took a real job. Uh, it was kind of the last thing I did at Austin was I, I beat Ocarina of Time <laughs> and then I moved away. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, also, do you guys remember anything about the 64 DD attachment? That never was no, but I'm looking at the pictures of it here, and I remember hearing something about that at the time. But I like you know this thing obviously never happened. Yeah, it was never released outside of Japan, and there was supposed to be, I guess, an extension or something with Ocarina of Time that was originally well, not originally, but it was renamed Zelda Master Quest, and it was released as a GameCube promotion for the Wind Waker. It's basically the same game, but the dungeons are, they have a different layout and they're a little harder. Hmm. So kind of going back and and doing that was was really cool. And the the games, you know, obviously been re-released multiple times on Virtual Console and also uh, for the 3DS a couple of years ago. But this game... Yeah, I, I've been praising it, and just to re, uh, tell you, you guys used that it got when it came out. Uh, Metacritic gave it 99 out of 100. Wow. EGM 10 out of 10. Famitsu 40 out of 40. Game five stars out of five. Gamespot 10 out of 10. IGN 10 out of 10. And that was a huge deal back then because IGN had never given out a 10 before. That's crazy, at least not yeah. to, at least not to my knowledge, and I distinctly remember them making a huge deal about it being a ten. What's funny is Nintendo Power gave it a nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying. They were trying to be reasonable. Like yeah. we can't give it a ten. Nothing yeah. gets a ten. We can't pat ourselves on the back too much. Yeah, yeah. But this this game, you know, you can read all kinds of reviews and things that fans say about it. It's if it's not the most popular Zelda game of all time, it's in the top two or top three. But I, this it, is a game that if you've never played it, even if you're not a Zelda fan, I would recommend you go back and play it because it's not just a great Zelda game. It's a great game in general. It has a perfect flow to it. The boss fights are fun. The story is great. The gameplay isn't overly complicated it's it's as close to a perfect game as I've ever played. You know, Derek, like you, you always said, know where to go next in it, but you don't feel like you're being like pushed in a direction. It always just feels like, oh yeah, that's where I would want to go next. Oh, that's just great yeah. game design right there. That, yeah, it that really screams is. Nintendo. <laughs> but Derek, Absolutely. like you said, uh, <laughs> you actually had an ocarina. I remember at the time I had a lot of friends that were just carrying around ocarinas in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that were really big in the video games. I'm like, what the hell is that thing? Oh, it's from the new uh, Zelda game. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you're just carrying that around in your yeah. pocket there, huh? And then all of a sudden a horse came running up behind him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, cool. And they were chased I, by chickens. I take yeah, it yeah. Uh, this is something I should head back to the flea market and actually buy it <laughs> next weekend. Absolutely. If you can find a copy... I'd love to hear your thoughts if you go back and play it. I really it is, want to. It's such a good game. 
you know, I, you know, you know me, I love the Zelda series. This is really the only one that kind of passed me by. I did play all the others. Uh, I still haven't played Breath of the Wild, but that's just because I don't have a Switch yet. But I would love to go back and actually play this one through because I, I'm, you know, I love the Zelda series. It's it's one of the greatest video game franchises of all time up there, up there with Mario, with Metroid. And like I said about Nintendo, they could still make Zelda games from now until, you know, 100 years from now. And they're still going to be relevant, at least in my mind, they are. Um, and you know, about the Switch is, you know, everybody always wants the third-party stuff, but as long as they're pumping out great Zelda games and Mario and Metroid and stuff like that, I'm definitely on board. Let's see. IGN and Nintendo Power and Electronic Gaming Monthly was featured on a number of compiled lists of best or most influential games. In the official Nintendo magazine, in the 100 greatest Nintendo games of all time, it placed number two behind only Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, wow. yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Game Informer ranked it as number 11 of all time and described it as untouchable. Hmm. Wow. That's high praise. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we always give our, our number review. I, I give this game a 10 out of 10. It's, I mean, it wouldn't be my all-time favorite video game if I didn't give it a 10 out of 10, but it's, it, it, it's as close to a perfect game as I've ever played. Yeah, it, well, it, it's kind of like um, uh, Tom. Uh, I talked about uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja earlier. It's mm -hmm. probably the only reason that Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past actually beats out uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja for me as favorite game on the Super Nintendo is because Legend of Zelda had a save system, mm -hmm. and Legend of the Mystical Ninja for some reason decided to put in a ridiculously awful. Uh, password system and Ew. i don't know what they were thinking at the time yeah yeah so derek i'm gonna tell you now you're going to get very frustrated because a few weeks ago i was playing legend of the mystical ninja and for some reason i got uh i think i was two levels away from being finished with the game and for some reason my password doesn't work anymore so i've got to start all the way oh, back at the beginning oh no oh. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Yes. Yeah, that's awful. It's it's oh. not good. I'm very angry about that. That, that sucks. <laughs> but uh, I think that's yeah, going to bring that's us... That's my review of Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show. And Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Hey, thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you want to come yeah, back. We'll have to we'll, have uh... you back on. Oh, yeah, yeah, please. I'd love to. Uh, anything you want to review, just let us know. And you can come on and review whatever you would like. I got to start pulling out some of my old uh, PC games and, and start playing them from the 90s. As a matter of maybe fact. Maybe some, some Commodore 64 stuff. Did you ever play The Seventh Guest? Or nope. When, no, you never did? Hmm. Nope. I was going to say, that was the big computer game I was really into in the 90s. And I just started playing it again on Steam. Uh, and I would like to do a review of it. I figured if you if you had actually played it, I would have you back on to review yeah, it. Yeah, I wish I had. I played a uh, Commodore 64 Mario ripoff called Toy Bazaar, which was a a, uh, a, a, a Mario, like not not Super Mario. Well, well, wait a minute. Yes, like just Super Mario. Um, it was it was crazy, but I played it all the time on Commodore 64. I don't it was weird. Remember that at all? Hmm. 
Yeah, nobody has heard of that. (laughs) And I I, I don't want to say that I got a copy of it from my friend Donald down the street, but maybe that's what happened. Well, no, those things don't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, it was a different time. But like I said, uh, Tom, tell them where they can find you on the internet. Oh, sure. Yeah, if you like uh, hearing us talk about geeky topics, uh, we've had Jason on uh, Current Geek. Uh, currentgeek.com that's me and scott johnson talking to different people every week about all kinds of things games comic books movies tv shows tech uh and speaking of tech uh my main show is the daily tech news show every day monday through friday uh we we dive into the tech news of the day and kick around the topics try to give you an understanding what's happening in the tech world that's at dailytechnewsshow.com if you would like to get a hold of us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can find us on our own website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And you can follow us individually at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And you can find Tom at Ace Detect. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. force. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. 